Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, let's just go chop, chop. Go for it. What do you say? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. No need to pre, pre-talk about it. So here we go. Welcome to the aggressive life. You might be saying, why in the world would there be two podcasts released on the same week? Well, I know we like, we generally like to spread them out a bit, but every once in a while something happens, I want to do it immediately and just pop it out. And that is the incredibly unfortunate and sad incident that took place in Cincinnati on Monday night football where DeMar Hamlin just was struck with uh, just an awful, awful condition. Now, here's what we're here. Here's all I want to do today. I don't really want to talk about what his medical condition is because we don't really know and plenty of other people do this. In fact, this is going to come out probably 24 hours later. I'm recording this right now on Wednesday afternoon at 1.30. But there's some things that are important for us to talk about that I'm not hearing people talk about. And I wanted to bring in a good friend of mine, Solomon Wilcots. I know him as Solimon. He's uh, been a good dude, been around him for a while. Wow. He's involved in the NFL, former NFL player. And he's also a man of faith. This isn't a faith podcast per se, but faith gets into it pretty frequently, Solimon. Yeah. And now I'm just seeing all across the country, I'm just seeing more acts of faith and prayer, prayer services, talking about prayer happening. And I just thought it'd be really good to talk with you today about all things football-related, culture-related, faith-related, prayer-related. Welcome to the Aggressive Life, Solomon Wilcox. Well, Brian, hey, thanks for having me. And you're right. You're absolutely right. We believe in in the power of prayer. Uh, We believe that that DeMar can be healed despite um, the fact that things look bleak. I was at the stadium on Monday night um, for the for the game. And I remember I was watching the game from a club suite. I had a huge pair of binoculars. I mean, I was right on top of it. I could see it happening real time and my heart just sank. And I began immediately um, praying for DeMar. I began immediately asking God to intercede and protect him. Um, and then later when I read that they revived him, they were had to um, resuscitate and just to get a pulse and even had to do it multiple times. And right now he's still fighting for his life in critical condition as we um, do this recording at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. So um, he's still fighting for his life and we're still praying for him. Yes, we are. And um, we'll do that maybe to end our podcast, we'll do that. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about maybe a cultural moment. I feel like this is a cultural moment for America, and it's really odd. It came at a really strange time, just a normal football game on a Monday night, but it just seems to be people are talking about it, and I don't want to necessarily have some podcast just because people are talking about it, but I'm finding fascinating things. Jesus says... Hey, even sailors know how to understand the color of the sky. You should be able to, too. The Bible talks about yeah. being able to discern the times. That's right. And it just seems like something unusual is happening right now. Do you feel that? I'll, I'll give you my data points as to why I feel it's unusual. And I don't know, but do you feel that at all around this situation, Solomon? Well, there was no doubt. Um, and I, you know, I think I was, I said, because I host a radio show on Sirius XM Middlefield Radio on the Channel 88 on satellite radio. And I talked about how at, at tough and difficult times, um, I went back to 9-11. 
Um, and, and I talked about what I saw in that stadium Monday night. I, I saw people do this. I saw people come together. I, I saw a certain unity um, come together. You could see it um, with the Cincinnati Bengals, their coaches, and you could yep. see the players. One minute they're doing battle. Next minute, hey, you know, we're trying to take your head off. But in a moment of crises, right. we say that uh, adversity reveals true character, right? And right. I think it's the same is true for our for our country. I think 9-11 was one of those stopgap moments where we pulled together, Brian. We were, we were like this, man. And yeah. that's why during some of the most recent times when we've had all this division in our communities and in our legislature, um, I've been just sort of waiting to see when, when are we going to have that moment where our character yeah. is going to be tested. Because I thought it was being tested through some of the division. But then you have these moments that occur and and we we pull together again. And that's the faith and the hope that I had held out for, even during the most yeah. difficult times. And yeah, I think this is, again, one of those moments. Well, our character was tested during all the division and the test showed that we failed. We suck at it. That, yeah, that that's, that's what it showed there. Yeah, but yeah, this yeah. is a different test. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something that is actually not reporting on how poorly we're doing. This is actually something that is actually yeah. bringing people yeah. together. Yeah. And I think that's that's really, really remarkable. It's 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 pretty, pretty darn cool. In, in fact, just go look at his GoFundMe page. Um, uh, DeMar Hamlin had set up a GoFundMe page to buy kids Christmas gifts in his hometown back in Pittsburgh. Uh, and he has set up, very humble goal of $2,500. The guy's a pro football player. He probably could have went out and just funded it himself and did it. But he wanted to he wanted to inspire other people in, in some way, shape, or form to also participate in the giving. This is a young man that clearly understands, like you and I do, that giving is a wonderful and powerful thing. It literally is the gift that uh, makes us all um, a different person. It's more blessed, what, to give than it is to receive because we really are blessed when we're giving. I never met an unhappy person when they're helping someone else, right? And um, the unity that we talked about, I think is really important because he, um, uh, people were inspired to give at a rate to right now, I think as of today, over $6 million have been raised. Wow. Six. Wow. That's how many people we talk about unity, people wow. coming together. And he in this tragedy, he's brought a lot of people together um, to do some really good and great things. We had a prayer service yesterday. That was the day after the Monday night football incident. Again, this is Wednesday. So on Tuesday, we had the idea at 830. We followed through with it on 12 at 12 o'clock noon. We posted social media, saw what happened. We had several hundred people show up, Zoom, a hundred people in person. And one of the people who showed up was um, was a friend of his who played football with him in high school, was in to see the game and just waited an extra day to hang around. He heard about the prayer thing and he came and came the prayer thing. And I just thought that's one of the, that's a really cool thing. That's part of the power of social media, one of the po- positivity of it. And again, yeah. it's to your point, Solomon, pulling together, like someone in Pittsburgh just hung around Cincinnati longer and said, well, let's go to this, yeah. this place where people I don't know and I'll try the prayer thing. I just think that's really cool. I, I think it's really cool too. I had heard of that story. And uh, of course, you know, uh, I'm a proud member of the work, uh, 
that uh, everyone does at, at Crossroads. I'm, you know, you've led a phenomenal, phenomenal ministry. You and Chuck and many of the others, you and I both know it's a, it's an entire community. My father, who's a pastor, he's 82. He was recently in town. It was so cold now. I couldn't, couldn't, I couldn't get him out the house, but I, I, every time I, and I brought him to Crossroads before he, I'm like, and he knows I get excited about, about bringing him to church and about sharing a lot of the work that gets done in the community as a, as a result of so many people. But, but yeah, to hear that story of how he was drawn in and to, to have that kind of welcome, to have that kind of love and, and the prayer that takes place, it's, I think it's empowering, and I think it's still the the kind of thing that that's holding our communities together today. Yeah, it was an aggressive move for him to wait an extra day. It really was, yeah, and yeah. Uh, we're seeing a really po- a bunch of positive, aggressive moves. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Dan Orlovsky praying on national TV yeah. uh, during. I'm sure you've seen that that yeah. clip. Who yeah. just goes and prays? It's like, wow, that, prayer is another thing. <laughs> Let me tell you something that really bothered me. Let me really bother me. I want to get your reaction to this. I thought it was um, really good when that event happened. We were watching, and we were all most of us just stayed glued to our TVs for an hour, right? Just just watching, and they they can't do much other than keep showing the same commercials over and over again. And when the announcers or color commentators of the studio would speak and talk about it, they they were pretty much speechless. But when they would talk about what we should do, they would say, you know, our prayers and thoughts are with um, are with the family and friends. And I, I, I like that saying prayers and thoughts because yeah. of recognizing, Hey, we're going to be inclusive. Someone who doesn't believe in God or a higher power, they're not going to pray, but they still want to empathize. So their yeah. thoughts, they're, they're kind of being inclusive of that. And, and I, I said, that, 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 that's cool. They're doing that. And then when the NFL came out with their statement, I saw it on the screen, they put it out there. They said, our thoughts are with the families. And I just thought, man, you you NFL people in your ivory elite towers in New York, mm-hmm. completely out of touch with average people. Like every team I've seen, their homepage is pray for DeMar. Pray, yeah. pray for. And yeah. yet we see, you know, the NFL like doesn't want to even acknowledge prayer. Like normal people can who are, or who are sportscasters, people who are owning teams or in t- touch the populace, but... Do you see this? What what is that? That's that's not just a that's not just an accident. Like our thoughts are with you. Yeah, I would, I would Wait, hope. My, my yeah. thoughts are with my house being cleaned. <laughs> Guess what? My thoughts aren't going to clean my freaking house. Yeah, yeah. Um, it reminds me of a quote from Hamlet. If I could, if I may, if I may. Um, and there's a quote, um, and it comes from a part in Hamlet where, as you well know. He's thinking about avenging the death of his father, but he's he, he's spiritually conflicted. Actually, because, I don't know. I okay. don't know it all. So yeah. go ahead and tell he's me. He's spiritually about it. conflicted because he knows that um, by by the right, you know, a young man is supposed to avenge his father, but he knows that spiritually, that if I commit this murder, then I'm damned. So he's he begins to pray about it, and he begins to pray about it, and then he says, "You know what?" My prayer go up, but my thoughts remain below. Prayers without thoughts never to heaven go. Mm. You have to be aligned, right? We have to yep. we have to offer up thoughtful prayers, but we have to pray. I mean, we have to pray. You have right. to pray. If you want to make change, you have to pray. So the two go together. So to leave that out, 
I would hope that someone didn't say, oh, no, you can't put that in there. Well, yeah, I would hope, I, I just don't want to believe. Seems to me they did. Seems yeah. to me they did. I can't, well, got, it's, I don't, uh, don't want to believe PR it. Office is, yeah. is in the, someone in the PR office is in the, is in the hyper-enlightened masses and doesn't believe in prayer and doesn't want to even get head, head nod to it. Just, I, even if you don't believe in it, understand the vast majority of Americans, especially people who play football, believe in God. It still stupefies when we do the Lord's Prayer in locker rooms before games. We do. Nothing to do with football, but it's spirituality is part of it. And and do you notice after every game, there are players right there on the 50-yard line from both teams coming together to pray. Right. Prayer is part of National Football League. Right. So Now, so I, I would hope someone did not Say, no, we can't put that in. But we certainly need to be better connected at the top. We, I've been saying this for years. You know, understand your your understand what the players go through. Understand the coaches. Understand your league. Right. Players, before we go out to play in every single game, we do we say the Lord's Prayer. Every game yeah. that I played in, I played in near almost a hundred games in, at the NFL level. Didn't go out to play in one of them where we did not say the Lord's Prayer. So, uh, yeah, that that would disturb me deeply if someone intently, intently left that out because they thought that was the right thing to do. It, it was not. Yeah, well, it's it's really cool to see people leaning into prayer. I know as well as anybody that just because you pray doesn't mean it's going to change things because a high, high percentage of my prayers God says no to. God's, God answers every prayer, yes, no, or wait. And a high percentage <laughs> of my right, prayers, right. God says no to. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I've also seen a big run on miraculous things that have happened in my life just this last year. I've talked about this. Yeah. I've talk, so a woman had hearing restored in her ear that medicine for decades said, we can't help you through prayer. It did. I've seen yeah. people have um, children. They weren't supposed That's to have right. children this past year because right. right. people put their hand on their belly and they've conceived. I mean, yeah. it, it happens every once in a while. So when we pray, Mm-hmm. There, there is holding out for some sense of hope. Yes, and I and I would say to people also because you know I've shared times when I've prayed and and we and God had answered, and they'll say, "Well, how come you didn't know that was just modern medicine? That was just, but that's the answer to prayer. Yeah. God gives us He gives us smart people like doctors. He gives us modern medicine. He get those are answers to prayer." Um, the two are not, um, you know, uh, separate from one another. And so um, I just want people to know that God answers prayers in a lot of ways. Um, but it's it's not, I'm not in the place to go questioning. Um, I prayed, um, the answer was given, the solution um, was brought forth. I'm not going to stop down to try to um, use the carnal mind to parse, <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, how it came about uh, that my faith, my faith uh, is 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 far far too much strong for that. I find it interesting that this is a national story. I just wanted us to have a prayer service, or someone on staff had the idea, and I signed off on it. Yeah. I just wanted to do that then at noon yesterday, yeah. and then uh, made a contact to Evan McPherson, the place kicker for the Bengals who uh, comes to the church that we're part of. I've never met him, but I yeah. I know he comes to church. And so I said, hey, would you just create a little video thing so that we can play during the during the time? 
and uh, that'd be cool. And so he did, and it becomes a, it becomes a national news story. Yeah. Evan McPherson does this thing, and now I had a long interview this morning with the New York Times. Good. I spent about forty five minutes talking with them about various things, and mm-hmm. it's just. It it speaks to me to the spiritual nature of people that we are intrigued with the spiritual realm. We want to be in touch with the spiritual and we actually want to believe in the spiritual realm. Yeah. yeah. Your, your thoughts on that? Um, you know, every time I've had a conversation with friends who are, say, not believers, I don't want to say they're maybe atheistic or it's just not, don't have... Um, um, uh, a history of understanding um, why someone would go to church or why someone would pray or, you know, they're just void of really, there's just emptiness there. And I say, look, I said, you know, there is a physical world and there's a spiritual world. And then, so people are looking, huh, what do you, what do you mean by that? And then we begin to talk to them and help them to understand that there are things that are not seen by man, but they are real. They are very, they are very real. They're as real as the microphone that is sitting in front of you. And you know, there was a time before we had uh, a telescope, right? That there are tribes that that aligned themselves by the stars. There were things that they knew about the stars, and then, um, as we know, that when Galileo invented the telescope, they were able to say, "Whoa." There was this one tribe that talked about this serious star, the serious B star that can't be seen with the naked eye. How did they know? How did they know? Hmm. Still can't, I still can't answer the question of how did they know, but what Galileo later proved when he invented the telescope, that serious B star that they talked about for centuries, that was folklore now has become fact. And we can go through science um, and talk about whether it's germs, right? Couldn't know, didn't know there was germs. People could talk about it, whatever. And now all of a sudden you can see a germ through a telescope, okay? Um, so there was a time when there are things that we can't see that are there. Interesting. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And maybe someday we have some and telescope that can see the spiritual realm. That's right. And maybe, and maybe we don't. But that still doesn't mean it's not there. You get the right. point. That's still yep. so we have to we have to be able to recognize that. And for those of us who've um, you know who who believe in prayer, um, who believe in the anointing, who believe um, at at the end of the day, we can we understand in our lives. There's been moments in our lives where um, that has been has been brought to our understanding, and there's been examples of the things that may may not be seen, but they're as evident and as clear as day. And healing is part of that. Um, uh, our ability to dream dreams and, and believe that what we want in our future lives when it comes to pass and it manifests itself in our lives, that's a testament to our faith. And uh, and so those are examples of, 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 of spiritual things coming into existence into the physical, uh, and it's happening every single day in the lives of people who truly believe. And so, I think that's the best way that I could explain it. I think it was the New York Times reporter who told me today in her interactions there was a 
guy who said, I am, I am not a believer, mm-hmm. but when I look at my friends who are believers, they have something that I wish I had. I recognize that my system right now really comes up short for me. Good point. I thought, yeah, I thought that was really, really Good cool point. to actually say that. That was that was fascinating. But isn't, right, that, now, me, isn't that what we're supposed to be, though? That we were supposed to be that kind of light yeah, that offers right. hope, that offers hope to other people who are looking for it. And I, right. Look, you and I both know the best thing you could ever have when you get up every single morning is a power of purpose and the hope and the belief that right. today is a better day than yesterday was. That's that's a great day. <laughs> that's a yeah, great Dan Orlowski was, uh, who was, who was what, a second string, career second string quarterback for yeah, the Bears, yeah. right? You know? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, Dirt, let's, let's, uh, let's try to get him. I, w- I would love to have him in the aggressive life because I just love how he prayed. He prayed on the telecast when I know there was other people who were sportscasters and announcers and all that stuff who, who had faith just couldn't make the move to do that. I just think that's brilliant. And nobody is going to beat up on somebody in a time of crisis like that who prays. He's got job security now. People love him. Like, okay, you you showed your heart. I think that's great. All right, let me let me ask you guys this. Another thing of interpretation here. Um, I, okay, hear me out on this, Solomon, because I know I'm going to sound like a real turd at the beginning of this, real turd. So you got to hear my the whole okay. thing, okay? Okay. <laughs> I was sitting there and watching players' reaction, and I was just sort of surprised by the show of emotion. Not, not, not necessarily judging them for the show of mm-hmm. emotion, but sort of surprised by it. I and I, I and I, I thought, asked myself, well. Am I just becoming, am I hard-hearted? I should be maybe, the announcers are devastated. These players are devastated. I'm not devastated. I'm, this is awful. It's very awful, but I'm, what, 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 what is this? Why? And, I, and I think what, what it is, is I realize that I'm around death and destruction all the time. I'm around people who are dying of cancer all the time. I've done more heartbreaking funerals, done them, than people have been to in their life. I mean, I'm the one who does the funeral for the friend's friend who dies who's in fourth grade. I'm the one who does the funeral for the guy who dies and I have to look at his wife who's got three kids under 10. I'm, I've done, I'm the guy who is there at man camp and we have a guy die on the way in and CPR is administered and fortunately he comes back. I've had a, a woman die in our Christmas production right in front of my, right in front of my face, fell 30 feet and have been there. I've been to, I mean, I, I got a, people on my prayer list right now who I know personally are massive, massive pain. So my, and that doesn't harden me by the way, it just steals me like this is part of life. And I think the average person lives such a sheltered and sequestered life. They don't see this as part of life. We're not we're not around real pain because we don't have real friendships, very many of us. And uh, and I think this is part of what's going on with the end of everyone's trying to find who's to blame here. Who's to blame? NFL. Because we, 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 we're, I'm not, I feel uncomfortable. I feel un- I feel out of control. Yeah. I have to find somebody to blame. No, no, there's no blame here. It was a solid hit and shitty things happen every once in a while. There's no one to blame here. No. What do you there's, think about this? No, I think you're dead on. There, no, there is no one to blame. This was a, for one, they're still investigating what the cause is. Um, but there has been some medical thought um, 
that it could be uh, just a quick blow, just a real blow, right? At the wrong time, right? At the appropriate, right when the heart is is ready to fire, bam! That there's, and they say it happens maybe 30 times a year, one yeah. out of every 264 million people. So I've out had of- three docs reach out and tell me that. Three docs, they've given the exact yes. phrase. It's commotio cordis. That's right. Commotio very, cordis. That's right. Very common with teenage teenage boys who are catchers. Because they're, they're, um, this portion of the chest, that right. solar plex, has yet to be fully developed right. to protect the heart. So it's still softer in that area, right? Jolts the system. That's it's, it's, right. It's an electrical pulse it's meltdown, like a, yeah. Yeah. Remember so maybe when, that's it. So maybe remember, it. yeah, may, this is what's being discussed. It hasn't maybe. been, to, you know, um, I mean, he's still here with us, so they haven't stopped down to try to get to that part of how was this caused. But it's been, right now it's believed that that was part of it. You remember when we uh, we were kids, you used to watch Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee movies, and he would do the two, eight, two finger punch, pow. Uh, yeah, and, it, yeah. and it was said that he could, you know, Bruce Lee, two inch punch, he could, Kill someone with one punch. That's that was the thought, but it's that's the thing. A punch to the chest at the uh, most appropriate, in this case, inappropriate time, hmm. can the heart will stop, um, and um, the survival rate is is very low. You you are going to have to be defibrillated. You're going to have to get hit with a defibrillator in order to reset your heart. It's re, actually 58 percent is the survival rate right now. If that's it, with, two with a ago, defibrillator, with a right. defibrillator, two right? decades ago is thirty eight percent. Thirty eight percent, absolutely. And so, but but if there's no defibrillator, now it's it goes way down. Um, and so that's that's what's so. In other words, it was a freak thing. There's no one to right. blame. Yes. Um, right. So we have to really stay out of that lane. I think we've. You're right. I think a lot of people. They feel very insecure when they see something like that happen because the way that most of us process things, we process things internally because we're thinking, what if that were me? So we put ourselves in that shoe and in those shoes and we don't want that to happen. So we start trying to create prevention. How do I prevent it from happening for me? And if I can prevent it and I can convince myself that I could prevent it, now I feel better. Whew, I can go about the rest of my life. I I feel good. I feel good. (laughs) Why don't we have that kind of empathy though? When, when people are treated poorly, we don't put ourselves in their shoes. Why? We, oh, yeah, choose, right, we, right. we kind of pick and choose when we want to empathize with others, don't we? Yeah, it, it, that's a great point. What's what's the most common question that someone has when they find out somebody has cancer? They ask, were they... What did they do? What did they a, do, right? Did, were they a smoker? Were they yeah, a smoker? Yeah, yeah, and they're yeah, hoping, yeah, yeah. tell me they smoke two packs of Marlboro Reds a day. Tell yeah. me, because I if I can pin it on smoking, I go, aha! Okay, I'm safe, I'm safe. Last two people I've known who've had lung cancer and mouth cancer, neither one of them ever had any form of tobacco. And everybody around them freaks out over that. It's like, crap, I thought I could control things and be safe, you know? Look, Uh, to that point, and I've I've said this, we do what we can. Like, I've had friends tell me, you know, because I work out, I know you were... Uh, we work out. Why well, it, it doesn't necessarily prolong life. 
I get to eat whatever I want. I was like, you know what? That's great. All I'm, I'm not trying to necessarily add years. I'm just trying to make sure that the years I have right. are going to be good. <laughs> I, right. want, I want quality. So we do what we can to take care of ourselves. After that, we don't worry about it. You don't worry about it. It's a, I, that's just, that's my point. I'm not going to live in fear. And it is, a, look, I grew up in a community where death was really all around you, all around you. Um, I had friends. Um, by the time we were done with junior high school, I looked around, several of them were gone. Uh, it was that, it was a, it was a precarious um, environment, uncertain environment. And, uh, and I can tell you right now, I remember having to make decisions which way I was going to walk home. Um, I had I would have basketball games and you coming home from the park. I mean, you're a kid. You're like 12 years old. You got to be strategic on how you're going to navigate the neighborhood to get home. So some of us, we, we understand that, but you don't let it um, control your life. You don't let it bring about negative behaviors and impact you in a negative way. You do the best you can. You make good decisions, but you got to go through life with a smile. You got to go through life with a very positive outlook. Uh, that's the best way to go about your day. Second Timothy 1.6 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, fear but of but love, love, power, peace, and a sound mind. And sound okay. mind, they're all different that's translations. Right. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. But it's like whenever I'm afraid, something is wrong with me spiritually. Yeah. And I think that the level of fear in our culture, and this is where we're the most fearful, anxiety-riven culture by any metric you could think of in the wow. history of the world, by mm -hmm. prescriptions that are written, yep. by amount of time we spend on counselors, by yep. insurance policies that are written, yep. by what sociologists and psychologists say. I mean, we, we're it. And I just wonder if it isn't related to our lack of faith and our lack of embracing God. And I'm not even talking about what kind of God right now or who is the real God. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying, hey, man, I think we're I think we're gaining that from this from this uh, conversation and the unfortunate right. thing that happened with Demar. Now, one last thing I'll mm -hmm. uh, I'll share with you. Just want to get your take on it. As I thought about what would cause those players to come unglued as much as they did, I realized, man, what was taking place behind that human wall was awful. Uh, I'm, my number one fear in life is being paralyzed. Uh, it's always been my number one fear. And so whenever somebody goes down the football field, the first thing I always look for is are the feet moving. Mm -hmm. And I looked, when I watched, I saw his feet move. I, was like, I said, oh, okay, good. Not, not a broken neck. You move his yeah, feet. Yeah. And now I'm just piecing things together. By the way, I'm not getting this from a doctor. I'm just getting this from what I know. I'm yeah, not having any yeah. stuff. But it's just, now I'm piecing together. I'm going, gosh, that was probably convulsions and seizures is why his feet were moving. Convulsions and seizures. His heart stopped. That means he's probably th vomiting. He's throwing up. He's, his eyes are rolling around. They do CPR. That doesn't mean what you and I learned in, in elementary school. That means guys punch him as hard as they can to break his rib cage That's because right. you can't, you can't, massage a heart or pump a heart unless you get to the break, the cage. So these players are watching this. Somebody having convulsions, frothing at the mouth, throwing yeah. up, boom, pounding boom, on them, yeah. breaking ribs, you know. And so then I go, okay, that's why these guys were coming so unglued. It wasn't like, oh, our friend isn't moving. 
might have just been that, but it was the, these are sites that very few people ever see. That's right. And wow. Wow. Yeah. And look, this is your teammate. This is your brother. This is a, this is a loved one, right? This is a family member. Um, as football players, we spend so much time together. The work is so hard. Um, it's hard to be successful at it physically, mentally. It tests you in every way. Uh, and it hurts, right? <laughs> and I, they're so far deep into the season now, they've played in a lot of games, right? Only two more regular season games left to play, and this was one of them. And by far, it's one of the biggest games of the season on right. national television. The expectation and the energy and the effort put into preparation for the game. And now here you are, and you see one of your loved ones on the ground. You see him unable to get up. First, you saw him collapse, right? You saw him get up. Then you saw him collapse. And now you see him motionless and not breathing. And then they're working on him feverishly. That's why as soon as, you know, if you were at the hospital, they get everyone out of the room. Um, if, you know, if something happens or if there's an emergency moment. Because you can't handle this. You can't handle what you're about right. to see. Right. right? And But before they can move them off that field, the first order of business is you have to stabilize them. You can't move them. So they're stable um, and their vital signs are stable. So there you had to work in that very public environment. And yeah, uh, mm. there were a lot of players who responded in an intense emotional way. Right. Um, and that's because they're very much connected um, uh, to DeMar Hamlin. Uh, they're very close with them. And to be able to see that. And then a lot of, a lot of athletes, um, you know, we know, we know the danger of playing this sport. That's why we do pray after every game because we're so thankful that we came out healthy because it could have gone another way. Um, so there's so much on that's going through many of those players' mind, but I can see their faces because um, everyone was so crowded around him. I couldn't see DeMar anymore, but I started looking at, at the players and some of the um, emergency medical people. And yeah, the, the look told me everything, Brian. Devastated. It, it, yeah, I, that's Devastated. when I began praying. Because yeah. I could tell that this was very serious. Right. Yeah, uh, right. Those guys, yeah, yeah, that was that was definitely a sign. What what do you think Zach Taylor and, and McDermott were talking about? <clears throat> I, I saw, and I don't listen to sports talk. Maybe everyone's already talked this to death and there's a definitive answer, but... I saw Sean McDermott. He had his hand up against over his face, and he's talking to the referees, and Zach Taylor came over. I have a theory probably of what he said and what they were talking. Do you know what they're saying, or do you want to give your theory? Because I, I got one. Yeah, I have only – it's only theory because I haven't spoke to either coach. Neither yeah. coach told me what they, what they uh, discussed during those moments. But, you know, I know Zach. I know Coach Taylor. He cares about his guys cares about his players. Um, and, uh, you know, Zach, you know, he is a player. His his father was a great player at the University of Oklahoma. He was a great quarterback at the University of Nebraska. He was an all-conference quarterback. You should know that. Um, so they're from the community of players, both guys, Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor. They're just now coaches. So they have a strong balance 
of how players feel and how to manage and coach and work with players because they were one. Uh, I, and I got to believe they were having a conversation of, look, we, we got to take care of our guys emotionally. Um, there, we may not be able to play this game. Um, how, how long is it going to take to maybe you talk to your guys, I talk to my guys and see what, what it is we're going to do. Because at that point, they were both, I do know at that point, they were both told, take as long as you need to get your players ready. Yep. That's what they were told by the league. I know that because that's what was reported at the time. They've been told, take as long as you need to get your, t-. and next thing you know, they had a conversation and they took their players in. Yeah. They weren't going to stay out there because there was no reason to do that if you weren't going to play right away. I knew once they left the field, it was over. <laughs> I no, you can tell did. you that. Yeah, yeah I, I knew it was over. And I knew they were putting their players above the player safety, not just physical safety, emotional yeah. and psychological well-being is paramount. You cannot force players to go out and play that game and give it up. Okay, you can, it's not a forced issue. Every right. guy, um, you know, Mike Tomlin always uses a phrase: "We want volunteers, not hostages." That was that's his way of saying we only want players who really, really want to do this because you really can't make anyone do yeah. it. And I think they came to an understanding that no player should have to go out there and play that violent game after experiencing that traumatic. Just the visual itself caused trauma for those who were watching. And under that pretext, you you cannot ask them to go out and compete after experiencing that. I would like to think that what took place, and it was my opinion, I think Sean McDermott is talking to the referees and he's saying, dudes, th- these guys can't play. These guys can't play and there's no way no way I can put them out there. They, they can't do it. And then Zach Taylor comes over, and I would like to think the conversation was, hey, uh, hey, Coach Taylor, my, my dudes my dudes can't play. They can't do it. And Zach Taylor probably like, well, mine probably aren't very well either. And then say, I don't care what the NFL says. What if both of us just say we're not playing and we both forfeit the game and we get we get out of, jo- out of dodge? Maybe that was taking place. I, I think it was that kind of human human conversation was taking there's, place. I'd love yeah, to know that someday. No doubt. No, there is no doubt about that. Both these guys, they care about their players now. And that, there's no doubt in my mind on that one. And there's no doubt in my mind that both of those two coaches, Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor, um, understood. They had the finger, their finger on the pulse of their team. Yeah. And they had, a, um, as much as they came there to compete, because I, you know, I had already texted Coach Taylor. I was like, "You had your guys ready to play." He, the Bengals came out on fire. Oh, yeah. Damn they were they on fire. Now I, he, I said, "You had your guys ready." They, the, both these guys were ready to play. So there, there's no sense in even thinking that. Well, maybe they didn't want to. No, they wanted. They were ready to grab hold of that brass ring and take it. Right. Um, and we were in store for a great game, but. Once that occurred, that's where humanity took over, Brian. Mm-hmm. Humanity won out on Monday night. And under tough and difficult circumstances, we started the program right. talking about this, right? Um, adversity reveals character. And the character of both coaches and the players, the humanity of the, of the fans. And here's what I'll tell you. We started streaming out of that stadium 
at least 20 minutes before the, the league announced that the game was permanently postponed. We were, I was leaving. I saw others leaving with me because we weren't in the mood to watch what we know a football game all entails until we knew that DeMar was going to be okay. That's kind of, that's how we felt. Like until I know this guy's okay, I'm not I'm not ready to see any more of this. And, and people I, people started leaving. I think the NFL did a great job. I I, yeah. I wish that they would appreciate if someone prayed about it instead of just thought about yeah. it. I already made that point. <laughs> but I think the NFL made a great job. I, I, people yeah. who are criticizing the NFL, I'm like, have you ever been in a high pressure situation where you got to make a decision? I have. Yeah. The things that though though the NFL had to figure out in an hour's time. What does mm-hmm. this mean to playoffs? What does yeah. this mean to other teams? What does this mean to our TV contract? Someone at least has to think about that before yeah. you call it. Right. And I think to be able to think those kind of issues and a person's health and and come to closure in an hour, I think I, I think it's commendable. I think they did a great job. And anybody who thinks they didn't, you ought to try leading something sometime. That's right. That is so true. And I and I've even said, um, well, you know, I remember that night I felt that it was the right thing to do. Yep. And and I, you know, my my thoughts are you can't lead from the back. You can only lead from out front. And sometimes when you're out front, you're not gonna bat a thousand. But you know what? There's never a bad time to do the right thing. So you don't have to always do the math and do the calculations. Sometimes you just got to know in your heart, this is the right thing to do. And I can, and whatever, whatever the outcomes are, whatever the mathematical equations are, you know, the residuals, I can say I did the right thing here. And in this, in this space, it was the right thing to do. Now, there might be other ramifications or repercussions, but right here, I know I did the right thing. In other words, I did the right thing for DeMar. I did the right thing for his family. I did the right thing for his teammates and for the players who had to go back out there and put themselves in jeopardy. Yes. I did the right thing by them. Now, oh, we lost a few million. Uh, you know what? You get my point? Yeah. So I, I think there's never a bad time to do the right thing. Yeah. We always pray for... We, every day we pray for discernment, right? To be able to decide right from wrong. And it's not always an easy choice, Brian. You're right. But that, those are the things that are part of our prayer. We pray for our health. We pray for others, right? And their health. But we also pray for our, our mental health, our ability to discern right from wrong, just to make good decisions every day in our lives. Is there anything we should be talking about with this incident that we haven't talked about? There's a lot of things to talk about. Anything you find curious that you want to kick around in this context, or do you think we covered it? No, I, you know, I think it's really about um, in this in this instance, right? Um, it's about caring for others. Um, I, I think Demar Hamlin. I think for what we do know about him, he was a guy that cared for others. He started a GoFundMe page, and he only was asking for twenty five hundred dollars. And when we, the Bible teaches us that, um, that whatever it is we do um, for the kingdom, for others, um, that God will press down, shaking together and running over will men give into your bosom, that he'll multiply it um, when we look to be a blessing to others. I, we can't talk about that enough. I mean, we can, but this, this instance, it, I think it points, it points to that. Terms of how he lived his life, that GoFundMe um, account now is 
worth over well over six million dollars. He's going to be buying a lot of toys. Um, we hope that he's going to be OK. Uh, and it's unfortunate that it took something like this to happen to him for others to recognize what kind of young man he is. Um, but nonetheless, this is where we're at. And um, I think it has inspired others to be givers as well. And I, you know, I, I talk with my friends. Um, they understand. I, I'm going to call every week with a bunch of my college buddies. And I can tell you that's what we talk about. Who, who can we be a blessing to? We have been blessed in our lives um, to do very well, um, to be able to raise our families and do all the things that we wanted to do. And now we look for opportunities to be a blessing to other people. And I think as long as you're doing that, I think that's the message that we need in our homes, in our communities, um, in our legislature, and everything that we do. Um, and I think we'll understand that our our blessings, even as a country, will continue to multiply. Well, bro, let's. Uh, why don't we end our podcast praying for Damar and anything else? You good with that? Absolutely. All right. How about I open you close? All right, that'd be great. All right, God. I'm thankful for the first of all, my friend uh, Solomon, that uh, we can call each other at a moment's notice and have. Uh, conversation that's meaningful. I, I thank you for that. I thank you for the technology that enables this. And I thank you for what you're doing through this situation with Damar. We don't like it. I don't like it. I want him healed. Lord, I pray for healing in the name of Jesus. You are a healer. You knit him together in his mother's womb and you can knit together anything that's wrong in his heart, anything that's disconnected with the electrical signal from his brain to his heart. I pray you'd have every, every system firing and synchronizing Synchronicity, yes. And I pray that you would have him come to a place of health and wholeness and beauty and restoration. I pray that he would be able to give stories about how faithful you are. God, you are faithful. You are. I'm, I'm, I'm calling on your reputation. Your reputation is at stake here, God. And I just say, I remind you of your faithfulness. I remind you that you care. And I ask you to act accordingly and to give him healing and to alleviate the stress and pressure from his family and from his teammates and his loved ones. Oh, God, we, we come just thanking you and praising you um, because it is through you that we move, breathe and have our being. You told us that if we would call on you, you would answer us, uh, that you would uh, answer our prayers and that you would heal our land. Uh, and we know that through your word that you are a healer. Um, so we pray for the healing of Damar Hamlin. Yes, we yes. pray for your anointing blessing yep. upon his body and upon his life. Um, we pray that you would uh, bless and strengthen his family, even in this hour um, and during this very tough and difficult time. Uh, we pray that you would continue to uh, pull us together as a community and as a nation, uh, that when uh, one fall, that all of us would come to the aid of another, that we would continue to rally together as a community and as a nation, uh, that we would be unified in, in your purpose in our lives, that we would become a, a stronger home, a stronger community, and a stronger nation um, through your blessings, O oh Lord. We ask all of these things in your son Jesus' name, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Solomon, good stuff. This is, uh, yeah, this is this has been very thankful. They're thankful for it, very helpful. Kind of crazy. Next week, 
Uh, we've got our normal podcast. <laughs> it's going to be kind of a football one again. We've got the father of Kirk Cousins, who is setting the NFL on fire, Don yeah. Cousins. Yeah, yeah, old friend of mine. Uh, I I dig in with him on all things his son related and other stuff. So we'll see you then. Thanks for your time, Solomon. We'll see you next time on the Aggressive Life. Thank you, Brian. Hey, thanks for listening. For all things aggressive living, why don't you head over to BrianTome.com. Find my new book, Move, a guide to get up and go forward, as well as articles and much, much more. And no matter where you listen to podcasts, why don't you take a second and leave us a rating, leave us a review. It really, really helps us drive new listeners to the show. We want to help as many people as possible, just like we may have helped you. We want to help others. So why don't you help us out? And if you want to connect, find me on Instagram, at Brian Tome. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.